The Coach's Plan podcast is recorded on the traditional unceded territory of the Willis-DeWig and Mi'kmaq peoples. This territory is covered by the Treaties of Peace and Friendship, which these nations signed with the British Crown in 1726. The territories did not deal with the surrender of lands and resources, but in fact recognized Mi'kmaq and Willis-DeWig title and established the rule for what was going to be an ongoing relationship between nations. At Coach New Brunswick, we pay respect to the elders, past and present, and we are grateful that we now get to share the space with the descendants of this land. We honor the knowledge keepers and seek their guidance as we strive to develop closer relationships through sport, education, community, understanding, truth, and reconciliation. Thank you for listening in the same spirit. Welcome to the Coach's Plan podcast, Plan to Coach with Coach NB. I'm your host, Ashley Milani. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Uh, and welcome to the last episode of 2021. Honestly, what a wild ride this year has been. And I know things are a little bit tricky right now heading into the holiday season with Omicron lurking in the shadows. But please remember that we've gotten through this once before by working together and taking care of each other. And I know we can do it again. I promise you that I wouldn't talk about COVID this season and I'm mostly gonna keep my promise. Today, we're talking to Ryan Allen, a swim coach in Moncton, who was recently announced as one of the Konica Minolta Sport Award Coach of the Year winners. Ryan currently coaches with the Club de Natation Bleuard, but he's also coached all across Atlantic Canada, has coached the 2017 Canada Summer Games in Winnipeg, and most recently attended the Tokyo Paralympics with Team Canada as a member of its coaching staff uh, for paraswimming, alongside fellow New Brunswicker Danielle Doris, who came away from that event with a Paralympic gold, a silver, and a world record in the 50-meter butterfly. Ryan has worked closely with Danielle over the years, as well as many other high-performance athletes in New Brunswick, and we're going to be talking to him today about his journey through coaching and some advice he has to offer for all the coaches out there today in the community. So my name is Ryan Allen. I am the head coach with the Club de Natation Bleuia here in the Moncton region, uh, Moncton Dieppe specifically. Uh, for the last few years, uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with Swimming Canada through a number of initiatives and uh, within Team New Brunswick, and such as 2017 Canada Games and other provincial initiatives. And so that's, it's, everything's been swimming. I was going to say, and you've also coached, um, uh, you've also coached in other clubs across Atlantic Canada as well. Yeah, no, I, I started in high school, like many do just kind of doing it casual and part-time and very, very part-time uh, just for the last couple of years when I was an athlete with the, the uh, local Kodiak Vikings Aquatic Club. And then I went on as a university student to Memorial University, I was swimming there. And then the last two years that I was a student, I was coaching with the St. John's Legends swim team there. And that's kind of where it really um, cemented that I was thinking about working in, in sport. And, and and at the time I wasn't even planning to be a teacher. So I'm, I am a phys ed teacher currently. I've taught high school sciences as well over the last few years. Um, and at the, when I was in university thinking, or my undergrad thinking that I would go on and do uh, physiotherapy was the plan, like so many kin students. And uh, you're nope, preaching to the, the choir here. I was gonna say I uh, was also a competitive swimmer in high school. Well, I mean, elementary through high school, coached yep. with my swim team, went through kin, thinking I was gonna do physio, did not yep. end up in physio. At all. It's yep. Funny that no, pipeline. I, I remember being in a certain kin class, and the professor asking how many of you were planning to do physio, and like it's, it was like 85% of the class put their hand up, but. Uh, no, what really sparked the path I'm on was uh, the coaching, and, and I can trace. So I, I, I can trace pretty much my entire life right now back to grade 11 when I was a high school student, and I got asked to work 
with a athlete who has Down syndrome. And at the time it was, I was working at the pool as an instructor, swim instructor, and then was asked, hey, you know, could you stick around after Saturday morning practices and work with this, this young man or this young guy? And, uh, and it has blossomed since then. And, and he still actually swims with our club. Um, and he's the reason I wound up at the club. He's, he was the door that opened me to working within Parasport that gave opportunities that way for, for tons of professional development. Honestly, the big reason that, you know, Daniel Doris, successful athlete from our province, wound up at the club I'm, I was coaching at was because I was working with this guy, Jonathan. So it's, I, I give him a lot of credit. Um, I, I wrote a testimony. They were doing a fundraiser for the Down Syndrome Society a few years back and it was people contributing poems or kind of testimony or stories and I gave mine and, and it's I re- it was foundational to have that opportunity in high school and you know it was right time right place and it's kind of all trickled since then. I was going to say the reason one of the reasons why I love asking people when they first come onto the podcast is you know how did you get started in sport is uh is because so many people have so many different roots that 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 bring them to that kind of the similar place. Um, but there's always that component of luck. There's always that component of yeah. um, you had the right mentor at the right time. Timing, obviously a huge one. Um, yeah. Sometimes we get lucky and sometimes we also uh, kind of help ourselves be lucky in these roles. Um, and it sounds like you were, you were a bit of both there. I, I would say that for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, so tell me maybe then a little bit more about this past year for you. It's been a super exciting year. One of the, one of the main reasons I would say that you won uh, the Sport NB um, Konica Minolta's uh, Male Coach of the Year Award. Um, congratulations, mm-hmm. by the way, very well deserved. Um, I, I mentioned out earlier um, that uh, you and the work that Vanessa is doing, who is the Female Coach of the Year, um, mm-hmm. uh, are, you know, I'm just amazing examples of what we would like to exemplify in New Brunswick. And so we really appreciate the work you're doing and, and coaches don't hear that enough from the people uh, in their community. And um, it's all the people uh, kind of on the periphery of the community that I feel like don't get the opportunity to say it to your face. So on behalf of the coaching community in New Brunswick, we appreciate the work you do and the kind of the model you provide. Um, yeah, sorry. Going back, let's talk a little bit about this past year. Um, tell me a little bit about how uh, the the preparations for Tokyo happened and um, what happened at the event itself. Oh, it's um, it's interesting to think of it as 2021 as and you know, and I know thinking of that award, that's what it was looking at as the 2021 season. But our honestly, Tokyo started. I mean, cliches years ago, but it um, in the immediate future you know, memory, it started back, um, we were able to get back in the water June, June 18th, 2020. And I remember that date, and we'll never forget it just because of how much work it went in to get us to that point. And then going through that summer was really just the approach of trying to stay um, doing something for the kids. Um, and, and when I say kids, I, you know, Danielle was turning 18 at the time, I, I, I try not to address them as kids, because they're young adults, many of them, but um, prior to that, I, um, I was, I was in like it, the, the world shut down March, 2020 there. And, and, uh, a few days later, we were still had not heard that the Olympic trials that were supposed to be for the originally scheduled 2020 Paralympics, they had not been canceled. Uh, so I was at Dan, I showed up standing outside in the cold in March with Daniel, 
tapping Danielle on the head with a new pool noodle while she's swimming in her uh, swim spa tethered to a rope. And we did that for that whole um, early spring, late winter. And uh, once we got back in the pool, that was great. It was limited, of course. Uh, you know, we brought in a certain level, like we, we had to identify which athletes we were bringing in, kind of following the guidance that Swimming Canada had set up. Um, and then we were fortunate enough here in New Brunswick, of course, to have a normal season or normal season start on in September of that year. Um, obviously, we had a few shutdowns and I, I, you know, I did a few newspaper interviews, radio interviews on kind of trying to advocate for sport within Orange Phase, sport within Red Phase, sport outside of our region. Um, we worked, we were one, I think we were the first club in the province to hold a, a time trial. Swimming is unique in that we we don't really need another team to compete. But of course, last year was it became very annoying to just do it by yourself. There was the closure in January last year. Um, I believe two weeks for a red phase, or it was like two and a half weeks. Um, then we were fortunate enough to be the first club in the country, first cl uh, club team in the country to hold a long, what's called a long course competition in uh, March 2020 or 2021. Um, then Danielle's, you know, thinking of, of her success, she, um, we always knew that Tokyo was very likely. It, uh, she was, she's, of, she's the level of athlete that we weren't concerned about her making our national team uh, for the games. She still had to, of course, go do her job and, and perform on the day. Um, but she had shown herself to be comfortable or capable of doing that consistently. Um, but then Abe, she was due the way pair swimming and, and all pair sport works, of course, for those that maybe aren't familiar, is they have to get classified to be within their sport class, we call it. So in swimming, there's 14 classes. Uh, she, had, for her career, had been a, a, a class eight, we'll call it. Um, but then in April, this is the first week of April, she had to go down to Texas uh, for a classification review panel. Um, and she wound up becoming a seven, which is, so she dropped a class. So in theory, she was put with a, a in a class of higher impairment. Um, and that completely changed the focus. Uh, if nothing else, her key event, her primary event went from being a hundred meter butterfly to a 50 meter butterfly, just the way the events work. Um, but it also went from like, okay, let's go make finals to let's go think about, you know, doing a little bit more than that. We never said the win word and there, it was never an expectation, but the, the few months between April to getting to Tokyo and, and the team being named, the Paris swimming team didn't even have a We didn't have a selection uh, trials and event. Uh, they had to go with simply naming the team. And so thankfully, at the world championships in 2019 she had placed well enough that she was provisionally named to uh, swimming canada's team so then we didn't have to worry about that and then we could focus just on training through the summer and, and then um we went to vancouver for the training camp on uh i think it was april or august 3rd that we got there and then it was a full month of between three weeks in vancouver and then off to tokyo uh, so if you, as I say it out loud and, and, and look at the whole timeline, I think of 2021 as really March 2020 until September 2021. It, it feels like this big blur. Um, and then with, within our club, we were fortunate enough to have a very healthy 
number of athletes in our in our program. We were able to, one of our primary pools was shut, but we still had a good relationship with an opportunity with the city of Dieppe. Uh, so I had other athletes. We had um, we were able to establish, I think, nine out of ten provincial records for relays, which was a big, pretty fun thing last year. Uh, that encom- that involved, I think, eleven different athletes. We had an, uh, an athlete, I would say, almost make the Olympic team. She did almost make the Olympic team, Brooklyn Duthright, um, who's a student at the University of Tennessee currently. Uh, she she finished with the bronze at the Olympic trials. So, you know, it it wasn't just Danielle that made last year a success story, I guess. And 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 then coming into this year, I think a lot of health that we have right now is because of being able to do things last year. And it was, I never want to do it again. Not I mean, maybe I'd go to Tokyo again, but that's the only piece. <laughs> I, I was going to say um, earlier today, I was on a few calls. Uh, one with a with a group of. Um, coaches who are uh, either technical directors or head coaches within their organizations and and the burnout is real right now like it, the I believe it and like uh, one of our one of our coaches said it's no longer like the little yellow flag that's coming up in her head looking at the group it's like she's starting to see some red flags around like people who are like consistently positive consistently high energy who even they're starting to really um show their cracks and i like i I can't imagine how like especially younger coaches newer coaches into the scene how they're handling this past year of ups and downs and cancellations and then rescheduling and then closures and then opening and um so i i guess maybe my quick message out to the out to the audience is um, like you're not alone in experiencing that it happens from top all the way down. And I guess maybe my next question to you would be like, how did you manage that last year of things opening, things closing, rescheduling? How did you try to keep the the focus on what mattered? Yeah, but what mattered, I would say the biggest thing was that I, you know, my messaging to my assistant coaches, the athletes themselves, we came in every single day and I acknowledged and mentioned, I said, we are lucky to be here right now. And you should be here because you love to be here. And I and and from a board perspective, we we or organization perspective, we the focus was 100% on just trying to give these kids an opportunity to do something they enjoy because school uh, was not normal. It's not normal now, but it definitely it was way different last year. And uh, especially for our middle and and really our high school students. Um, which in that age group is where you t- is statistically where you're going to see the higher uh, dropout rates in all sport. Um, and so that extra toll made the importance on what we were doing at the pool or at, at the rink or at the field, whatever, um, that more, much more critical of trying, just trying to give them social, social environment and, and all that. The, the performances were ancillary, like they, I would have been fine if we hadn't even had a single official race last year, but we had almost, we almost, I, I almost had to be like, eh, we're having too many, let's stop. Um, which is kind of funny to say. I do think one thing that helped in some regards was just the sheer luck of having a couple athletes in the club that we knew there was something down the road to build toward. Dan, Danielle knew, okay, the plans to go to Tokyo. Brooklyn knew there's Olympic trials. And it, whether it's those names or not, I think there's value in, um, and, and Brooklyn was not the only one targeting Olympic trials. It was just that eventually it became that it was restricted. Um, and so I think having, having a, some sort of a semblance of a plan or date to target helped. Um, but also 
recognizing that they had lost everything for the season before. I think coming in was they came in with such a I'm actually I'm tonight we, we just had a competition this past weekend. And so I'm debriefing tonight with my group and doing a bit of a talk about what's what's next. How are we going to evolve? And one of the things I'm seeing is that last year there was such a like everybody came in, whether it was the eight year old or the 18 year old um, with uh, an interest and engagement that had not that I, that I don't see right now. It's not that they're not enjoying it. I think it's just that, you know, last year we were able to look back and say, we, did, we didn't have it and we love to be here right now. So that helped, you know, and I, I bring it up not to dwell, um, just as a respect to, okay, we're doing this and we're fortunate to be doing this. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Like, um, I, can, I can think back to my own swimming career and thinking there were definitely meets where I was just so burnt out, so tired, kind of over it. Uh, I can appreciate, I honestly, there were points where I probably should have taken a little step back and, yeah. and, um, taken a, a break for myself, even if it was more for the mental break, um, and come back with a new appreciation, but I can, I can appreciate that, um, when competitions first started happening again, after the, the main kind of closure, that there was that novelty, there was that renewed sense of like, oh my God, I'm so lucky that I get to do this. I, I could definitely see how some athletes would be starting to be like, all right, I'm that novelty is wearing off a little bit. The the reality and the exhaustion of what's gone on over the last year is really now more starting to set in. Um, and this isn't uh, quite so easy to, to move past. Um, but anyway, I'd move it, mo moving forward onto other topics. Um, I guess, I, or, or maybe we don't need to move on because that was gonna be my next question for you is like how, what kind of advice would you give to coaches right now who are out in this weird sport world of ours at the moment? What can we do to be supporting them? And um, yeah, how do we how do we help them know that they're no, not alone in this? I well, they're definitely not. And I think that I, I know that colleague, <clears throat> excuse me, I have colleagues and friends that work in sport coaching, actual coaching, and then technical leaders that are not on you know, on the pool deck anymore throughout the country. And it's this, it's the exact same, no matter where you go. Um, and so just, I think acknowledging that is important. I think find trying to find someone to confide in and talk to. So now one of the other coaches that uh, Swimming Canada staff that was in, um, in Tokyo with me, and he's uh, I've become a good friend of mine over the last few years that I've gotten to know through working through professional development it was it's we communicate probably every every day if not a, every other day and um just being able to go back and forth and share about okay this is what you're dealing with this is what i'm dealing with um is important um i think in working with the kids or young adults or the adults whoever it is that you work with i think it's really important to try and just constantly remember like what the core reason, what, what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, Daniel Doris winning a gold medal. I, and I was just saying this to my, to a teacher colleague that I was here with and her winning a, a gold medal is awesome. Like that is very special, but her life would have been just fine had she not done it because of, making sure that she's happy in sport and happy in her life because she's not going to provide for herself for the rest of her life through swimming. She's just not, she's not never going to buy a house with money from swimming. And so we have to think about when we're there being the best possible um, provider of an environment that is supporting these young people. 
and I say young people again, because that's who I'm mostly working with. Uh, so I think, I, I don't know, it, it's not an easy thing. I, for me, when I think of my philosophy and coaching and, and, and as a person with sport, it's the relationship is paramount. It's, it's everything, because if you can't develop that, you can't communicate with them about what they want to do in sport, and then you can't communicate with them about what they want to do outside of sport. And if any of that is not working, then, you know, the kid's not as fast in the pool. A happy swimmer is a fast swimmer, is the, I've heard a joke before. And say, I'm sure other sports have similar things. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not really one single piece. It's just, I find, I think, communicating with, with someone, someone who's going through it, and because everyone is, um, and some more than others. And it depends on... Uh, and as I say that, I think that it'd be valuable to try and find someone who's maybe working in their sport or a, or a sport in a similar role, be it, let's say, if you're a head coach of a certain program and you try and find someone who's a peer in that regard. A coach is a coach, of course, but, you know, what I might interact with a coach who runs a, a sports club of the same size versus one that runs something that's five times my size, we're going to deal with different things. I think, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I don't have the answer. I, I, I have questions. I'd love answers. So. I was gonna say, I think your points are really relevant and, 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 you know, kind of funny and coincidental in um, timing to some of the stuff I was talking with my colleagues today about, because uh, they touched on many, many similar things to what you just did around, you know, peer support is absolutely critical uh, to getting through any tough spot in your life, whether that is COVID or coaching or, you know, out, outside of sport. Um, a lot of coaches who kind of, you know, forget to put on their own safety belt or put their own oxygen mask on, so to speak, and are always constantly worried about, you know, how, how am I going to help my athletes get through this? And how can I find the answer for that? But when this time we really don't have, we don't have answers. Like none of us had NCCP pandemic training, right? Like there, there's not a lot in our coaching education system that really has prepared us for this moment. Um, and there's definitely not a lot in the informal system that has prepared us for it either. Um, people kind of forget that they also have to take the time to to help themselves out and especially for coaches who were not brought up in that environment where they were they were taught to care about themselves first uh will need extra support will need extra help um communicating that out so whether that is like literally like uh, <laughs> i kind of was kind of joking to my colleague like whether that's coach new brunswick coming in and like forcing your oxygen mask on or that's your friend coming in and doing that for you like you know that's that, that that reaching out and, and taking care of the people around you is important, but also taking care of yourself is also so, so key. But um, the other point you made about, you know, Danielle having something outside of her life other than sport. And I agree, like the gold medal, like that is such a special moment. Um, but it's also important to be a, a well-rounded person and have aspirations outside of uh, sport and an identity outside of sport is yep. absolutely key um, to think about, you know, either, university athletes who haven't really had a real career yet, even if they're like two years into their, their time. Or if I think about some of these, um, you know, really sensitive aged athletes who are maybe missing out on some really key developmental comp like competition moments in their life um, over the last year, kind of in that like 10 to 14 range are, are missing out on some big moments. Um, there's, there's huge worry right now that there's going to be a big dropout and a big um, kind of, uh, fallout over over generations in sport and we're going to be missing that kind of key piece um but it's important as coaches for us to be helping 
those other coaches, those other athletes, those other people, because at the end of the day, they're people before anything else Mm -hmm. to, um, to, you know, find those moments outside of sport that also bring them meaning, bring them identity, bring them joy and, uh, make sure that we're not all always just worried about like, Oh, if I don't, if I don't go to this competition or if I don't go, if I don't place at this place, because I'm not training at what I thought I was going to be because of the pandemic or because of whatever reason, uh, then they're going to, we don't want them to suffer hugely for that. Um, so I, I think, I think your points, even though you, you say you don't have answers, I think those are some great answers, um, because they, they, uh, touch on some really key points that we, I think we all need to be reminded of a little bit more. Yeah. And and as you're saying all that, I realized, like, I didn't even mention, like I, the balance for, for myself is I I totally hear you. Like, it's so easy for us to fall into the thinking about what the athlete needs and what we're, cause we're, we're support, we're, we're service provider, um, for, for these young people. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky to find that balance. And I definitely don't have that answer. And it, uh, I need to scale myself in as pretty frequently. Um, and my, my family keeps me on that. That's (laughs) good. Yeah. I was going to say, it's important that we have those people also, you know, that kind of, um, uh, I don't want to say keep our feet to the fire that keep us, um, keep us accountable. Yeah, that keep yep. us accountable and that keep us that keep us kind of in check and and make sure we're not falling too far down the rabbit hole ourselves. Um, sure. so maybe that's the whole answer is is the community and the friends we made along the way. Maybe <laughs> at, yeah. at, at a risk of sounding like a cheesy Disney movie, but um, no, I think there's a I think there's a lot of meaning to that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Can you can you think of any other moments in your coaching career that really kind of you know help cement? cement your, your, your life in sport. I know we just talked about identity and not getting too wrapped in one thing, but can you think of one particular moment or a person that had really kind of helped you kind of solidify your, your, uh, role in this world? Well, I referenced, um, I think I have two, I'm going to say two people that I really lean on or that I am going to give my main credit to. One is the, the young man with Down syndrome that I worked with when I was in grade 11. Um, and then everything that has trailed since then and the, and the opportunities that opened since then. But then in uh, 20, or, um, April 2014, I had to get the year right, April 2014, I was at a, a camp for uh, Parasurman in, in PEI, actually. And um, one of this Swimming Canada staff, her name's Janet Dunn, she still works for Swimming Canada. She was there running the camp and and I was there with the man with Down syndrome that I mentioned. And, uh, you know, of course, this is five years after I first met him. And uh, we're there and she's telling me about, and very truly coincidence that she's telling me about, uh, she says, you have a future Paralympian moving to your club. And I said, oh, she says, yeah, this 11-year-old girl. I said, okay. And it was Danielle. And but that's not the foundational piece. It was, and she, the reason she brought that up was because Danielle moved from Ontario, Ottawa. And uh, she said, do your job, get educated, reach out to people and learn and stay ahead of this kid and do everything in your power to find the answer if you don't have it. And I've kept that as a key cog in how I operate in my life. Um, and then so Janet was actually on the staff with us in, in Tokyo 
And uh, there was one day we were in Vancouver and she was having an off day, like we all do. And uh, Janet's been working in Parasport for, I don't even want to say how long, it's a long time. <laughs> I don't want to put a number on it <laughs> for the at risk of being offensive. But, and uh, so I pulled her aside because I think she was, you know, dealing with feeling, you know, that she wasn't providing something to, to a certain group. And I pulled her aside and I said, Jan, I remember exactly where I was standing seven years ago. And uh, when you told me, and, and here we are right now, about to get on the plane to go to Tokyo. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, so learning and always trying to put oneself out there. And then since then, like after Danielle eventually moved, I knew nothing. I mean, I, I really didn't, as I look back on it. I made sure I got my NCCP taken care of. Um, and then I, from 2017 on, applied for every grant opportunity that Swimming Canada and the Coaching Association uh, was offering to try and get ahead of, you know, that one athlete, but then taking what I, like Tokyo, like I'm not coaching Danielle right now. So what I learned there is not to help Danielle, it's to help all the other athletes that I work with. Of course, it's at the very highest level of high performance sport, but you still learn things that are valuable for the eight-year-old that you might have. So I would say that's the, the learning piece or, or the continual learning piece is, is been my biggest thing that I look back on. I was going to say, I promise I have not paid him to say this uh, as, as Coach New Brunswick, <laughs> as the education body here. No, I, I did yeah. not. That's not a paid plant. Um, but I do appreciate you mentioning that um, NCCP was a big part of your uh, was a big part of your path and that it was more so your your philosophy of continual learning that has helped you along your way. Yeah. That's something we preach every day at Coach MB and uh, and any way that we as the organization can help coaches um, figure out how to do that better. We are. We are happy to happy to assist in that way. Um, do you can you think of like any one course or any one like webinar or conference or anything that, that you felt was helpful? I mean, I know that it's hard to go back into the into the catalogs of courses that you've taken yeah. in your life, but I you know yeah definitely enjoyed. Um, I will. I've I've spoken with others before. I've enjoyed the uh, doing multi sport courses or any opportunities to chat with people from other, other programs, um, just to see how they operate. Cause you know, a sport like swimming that I, I work in, it's, uh, there might be similarities between us and I don't know, short track speed skating. But then I was on a, I, I did something, um, during coaches week and, uh, wound up in a breakout room with someone from equestrian. And like, I know nothing about equestrian. I understand coaching, like there's, there's qualities there, but it's wildly different. And so it, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I was gonna say, again, I promise I have not paid him to, to no. <laughs> multi-sport as the, the best part yeah. of his education. But again, I do appreciate that. Um, that it's a valuable piece of learning is learning from other people with different perspectives than you that has something to share that you can learn from and um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, because I yeah, absolutely. I because I think the 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 technical pieces, or you know, I can I can pick up a book and read about exercise physiology, or I can look back on my university degree and use that stuff. That's not really, especially if I'm working with and going back to what my ways to think about what the main goals for working with kids in sport 
is uh, my, you know, let's say the 12 year old that's in my club. They don't necessarily need to, they don't need someone who knows exercise physiology with a doctorate level of proficiency. So those things aren't, aren't, aren't the truly, truly important things. Running a pro, how, how to run a club, how to interact with people, how to, how to teach um, are all the things that you can get from every other sport. So that's why I've really enjoyed the conversations that come out of those. Yeah. I mean, a 12 year old need, needs you to be an expert in 12 year olds at the end yeah, of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time on a short notice today to chat and again, congrats, congrats on the award. I know that coaches don't often really care about the awards that they get because at the end of the day, you're like, I'm just doing my thing, but yeah, I'd say that's definitely how I, I feel. I, I, the way I look at any of these things, like if I don't have any kids in front of me, then I don't get it. So it's as cliche, I feel cliche and silly saying it, but it's like, because of the kids I get to work with. Um, and, and I think anything that's given to a coach, it's as a respect to the athlete, right? So like, yes, the groups of athletes, and it's, um, I don't want, it's not just Danielle that was that I've been told was putting the information on my, on the nomination form. It, uh, there was a ton of other names involved there and, and groups of athletes. So it, it, it's just a respect to the, the things that they achieve and we do together. Um, so yeah, I, I, I care as a, yeah. I extremely appreciative, of course, yeah. it's, it's, it's very special, uh, but it's, it's cool for the, for the, for the athlete, of course. Yeah. Agreed. Well, big, big um, shout out then to all the athletes that get to work with you. You guys are very lucky. You got a great coach working with you um, and, and don't forget it. <laughs> so Ryan, thank you for being here today and talking with me, uh, especially on such short notice. I also want to say thank you to all the listeners out there who have been with us uh, this season so far. I hope you've been enjoying some of the information that we've brought to you, especially I hope you've been enjoying the fact that we're not talking about COVID. We'll be back in the new year with new episodes for you. But until then, I hope you stay safe. I hope you stay well. And I hope you get a chance to enjoy your practices. 